Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Atlanta Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. And we are back with GSU ENI Radio, broadcasting live from the Georgia State Entrepreneurship and Innovation Institute. Uh, we got off to a great start. It was a marvelous segment this morning. Lee, but I, I think we're going to do just as well on this one. It's going to be a lot of fun. Please join me first up. We've got three guests in this segment, but first up on this episode, we have with us Miss Carly Weeding. How are you? Great. How are you doing? We are doing great, Carly. We're here to talk about data science. That's your, your what are you, the majoring in that? That's your yeah, getting so a graduate degree I am in that? pursuing a master's of science in data science and analytics mm-hmm. at the Institute for Insights, the department at Georgia State University in their business school. So we learn a lot about machine learning, coding, statistics, a little bit of linear algebra. So just give me an over, overview about what data science is in, in layman's terms, in terms of how it affects people in their daily life. So data science is used a lot in people's daily lives, maybe not so much as they realize. Data is collected from a whole variety of sources, especially from your phone and on the internet. And people spend a lot of time on their phone and the internet. So you can collect a lot of data and um, really find out what people are viewing, what people are doing, and try to market different products and services to these people. Um, many of the advertisements that you see on social media, such as Facebook or Reddit, those are all backed by machine learning algorithms. So now, um, would an average person be surprised at the amount of data that's collected about them in their daily life? Yes, I would think so. Uh, people, um, especially when it comes to data privacy, Uh, Everything that you do online, you should imagine that you are on your computer in front of an auditorium full of people. An auditorium. I would think so. (laughs) There are a lot of people looking at your data. So now um, when you're learning about this, um, is it typically under the umbrella of using the data to market to take some, like how would it work? Like how would you take my data and market to me? Um, So I could see what kind of patterns, um, maybe if you look at a lot of traveling websites, then I may market, you know, maybe hotels or airplanes. So all of a sudden I'm um, maybe going on a travel website and Mm -hmm. then all of a sudden I'm seeing ads that might be related to travel. Is that a way to use data? Yeah. So have you ever um, maybe talked about a certain product and then the next day it like shows up on your loud? feed? Yeah. So it's so even if I'm not even on the computer typing, like it could hear me? Um, so if you activate the microphone on your phone, I mean, potentially the app could be listening to you. And then so we could just be having a conversation about oatmeal and then all of a sudden oatmeal ads would appear. Yeah, it's a little <laughs> bit scary, isn't it? So um, what compelled you to get into this? Like, how'd you get interested in this? Um, So actually, I come from a chemistry background. So I did a lot of lab work, and it was really fun. And I worked on some sustainability projects. So data can actually be used in other ways besides, you know, sales and marketing. Um, I know 23andMe developed Mm -hmm. a new drug recently for an inflammatory disease using DNA data. So it can be used in other ways just besides that. It can also be used in supply chain or 
uh, maybe logistics, maybe airplane routes, maybe like Delta, you know, has to configure all the airplanes. If, you know, a few planes go down, then they have to refigure out how all the logistics works. Right. And now um, it goes, so it goes beyond just marketing. There's lots and lots of uses of. Yeah, of course. It can be used in psychology, astronomy, weather forecasting. Me and Sarah were talking about that earlier. Um, it can be used in, I think, did I say psychology? Um, there's a whole lot of now, things. Now, you mentioned the word machine learning. What mm-hmm. does that mean? Machine learning is uh, maybe like a predictive algorithm. So you can take some data and make some sort of prediction. So you could look at somebody, a classic example is looking at somebody's age and education to determine their income level. So you can, um, and then because so much data is collected, this can be an efficient way of kind of getting a, uh, like they used to do surveys and they would just call people and get their opinion. This is doing that on steroids, but by getting, using actual real, their real behaviors, not just what they say their behaviors are. Yeah, that's true. So now uh, you mentioned Sarah. Welcome, Sarah. Oh, hi. (laughs) Thank you. So now um, you uh, know Carly. You're both involved in the data science program. Yes, exactly. Carly and I both started this past fall. So now uh, has this kind of met your expectations? Yeah, it really has. It's I'd say um, sort of exceeded them. It's been a really great program that we've been into, but I think the opportunities we've had to learn from our professors and different companies we've worked with, I think it's been really brought it sort of over the top of what I thought I would be doing. So how did you envision it? I sort of thought it'd be a lot more classroom learning, I think. Um, sort of, And it still is. There's a lot of classroom learning, a lot of math that we're doing on the back end of this. Um, and it's more of a balancing act because we have so many different opportunities to work with different businesses and learn from different experts in the area, seeing how much of that we can fit into our lives, essentially. So you have to be good at math to do this? You have to have a really good interest in math. I think if you're okay at math, then you can get good at math. Um, There's ways for the program to get you up to speed um, Mm -hmm. prior to it starting. But if you're not interested in math, then the program probably wouldn't be very interesting to you. (laughs) (laughs) So what about uh, what, how does math come into play other than looking at the data? You have to know how to kind of write the algorithms to do the work that we're trying to accomplish? Like, where does the math come in? Exactly. So uh, there's a few different levels of how the math can come in on a day-to-day basis for a data scientist. At this point, the field is really developed where a lot of the back-end math is pretty automated for for standard algorithms. So you don't really need to do that. But then enhancing those models and bringing it into businesses and making it work for them is where you want to know the math of how the model is making data relate. So if you think of two pieces of data as two points in a line, um, you want to sort of know how the how far away those two points are from each other. Data science sort of brings that to an exponential level. We're looking at millions and millions and millions of points and how those relate. And so on the back end of a model, if you can't modify the math of that, then you can't really make it work for any business. So that's sort of generally how it would be applied. So now you were uh, working in this data science and business boot camp. Was that an event or was that an ongoing program that exists? So this is a new program put on by the um, Entrepreneurship Institute and um, hosted with the Institute for Insight, which is where Carly and I are both taking our program. And it's a five-week boot camp. We're working with undergrads to help them understand the different applications of data science in business and how that can be brought 
into a business setting and just getting them to understand the general purpose of it. So this is kind of a, a bird's eye view of how this works and you're not getting into the kind of the granular, the number part of this, more of just kind of philosophically how it works and what it could do. Exactly. There's sort of a level of trust that we needed to establish with the right. students to say, trust us, there's math behind us, right. but we do but not have the time. You don't have, have to get time. bogged down with that. Exactly. Right and there are data scientists who do their job not knowing the math as well. Like you don't need to know all of it. So now give me an example of something that they would learn in this boot camp. Yeah. So um, last week we did a really fun classification class. We looked at text analytics. We looked at tweets of different celebrities. Mm -hmm. um, I believe we had like eight to 10 in our total data set. And um, it was a collection of about 40,000 tweets. And we went through the process of reading and analyzing tweet data and turning it into actual structured data that can be analyzed and have a model built off of it. And we built a model that would classify tweets as one of those eight celebrities. So you could write your own text mm -hmm. and it would guess which of the eight celebrities had that tried you, to tweet that. That you were most like. Exactly. So, that, so now, so it can take the data, the data in this case being words, Mm -hmm. And then it's kind of making kind of word generalizations. Oh, this this celebrity talked a lot about fashion or this one talked a lot about sports or this one talked a lot about politics. And then based upon what your tweet was, it would put you in the bucket that is closest to the celebrity, some version of that. Exactly. The buzzword is topic modeling. Topic um, modeling. Yeah, which is sort of what we based the model off of. Mm -hmm. So we got the general topics of the, all of the tweets tagged them to the different celebrities and then brought in the new information of the tweets from a new user or a new tweet from those celebrities to try to guess. So now how do you, um, it, you have to do it in a way that it isn't some tedious manual typing of all the stuff, right? Like how do you collect that many words and then how do you kind of put it in a, the appropriate topic bucket? Yeah, so um, essentially the, um, the data set of the tweets was provided to us. Um, Carly was able to translate that actually from a web-based sort of text data source into what people would normally see as a, an Excel file or a CSV. So we can read that into... But someone's not typing out every word. No, you're, no. You're just like kind of scraping all of the data and it's just cutting and pasting it into a spreadsheet in some, exactly. some version of that. Exactly. So it's done pretty quickly. Yeah. Like how long would it take to go through 40,000 tweets to put them in the appropriate topic buckets? Uh, it's is, is pretty that, quick process. If we were teaching like the minutes? class, it yeah, minutes at least. Wow. Yeah. So now we have a challenge here. See if you can solve this problem. In Business Radio X, we uh, produce a lot of content. Most of it is audio. So the search of audio is um, ch more of a challenge, I would imagine, than text. Mm -hmm. But say, hypothetically, we're able to transcribe every all of the interviews. And we wanted to kind of do what you did, is put it into, okay, if you're interested in accounting, you should listen to this interview because we're using accounting type words. Or if you're interested in data science, go listen to this. And then, because we've interviewed 35,000, 40,000 people in the history mm -hmm. of the company. So do you think it's possible to take those kind of transcriptions and then make it easy? So if somebody was interested in certain topics, they can find the interviews or the people that are, did the interview, you know, that said those things that, they, that you were interested in. Exactly. It might even be more of sort of a, a keyword plugging in that sense, sort of scraping all of the different text files and seeing what are the keywords to almost mm -hmm. tag them um, is a way you could think of it. So you think that's possible? Yeah. 
Carly? Yeah, I definitely think it's possible. You can, um, yeah, so what you would do is take the top words that we use, say, in this session. So maybe we say data and machine learning a lot, and those words would be tagged, and those would be the, you know, the topics of our conversation, and maybe for an accounting one. I don't know many accounting <laughs> words, but it would be. But you knew chemistry. Like, if you, like there, there would be topics that people who would search would search those topics, and then this kind of data scientists can help us kind of sort through this one is the interview you should be listening to. Yeah. So for chemistry, you might look up words like laboratory or pipette or. Right. If we, if somebody was using a lot of those words, then that might be appropriate. Mm -hmm, Definitely. So now is that um, from you and your classwork, is that the type of work that you're learning from business? People are giving you real life challenges. Yeah, definitely. We have uh, the program provides something called a sprint project where we work directly with the companies around the Atlanta area. So last semester I worked with Georgia Pacific. This semester I'm working with Dell. Um, Sarah? I've worked uh, with Star Companies, which is an insurance company. I worked with them last semester and then I actually picked up a project with them again this semester. So now, so then your work is not this theoretical, some smart person at a blackboard writing this thing about how it used to be. You're learning stuff that's real world in the moment, solving problems that are happening in real time. Yeah. Solving real business problems here, right in Atlanta and, you know, all in the related topics. You can do sales and marketing. You can do supply chain. You can do pricing. So uh, what's the, what are you most interested in? I really like text analytics. I think it's really fun and it's pretty straightforward, but I also really like the pricing algorithms because, um, I don't know, I just really So pricing in terms of finding the optimal price Mm -hmm. or what's the, what will the market bear? Like what, how does pricing work? Yeah. So you have dynamic pricing models. So if you go onto Amazon's website, they will change their prices depending on the factors that related to you. So Maybe if you look at a certain product multiple times, but the price just isn't quite right, then maybe they will give you some sort of discount and that will push you to, you know, purchase the product. So that's, um, so if I would go to Amazon shop for something and then don't buy it, like if I go the next day, it'll be different pricing or could it's be? possible that it could be different pricing. Yes. And so that changes person to person. So like if somebody else went, it might be a, a higher price. Um, yeah, definitely. The only thing you can't discriminate based on, you know, certain factors like race or gender, but um, other factors such as how many times you visit a site is definitely subject to um, dynamic pricing. Now, what about you, Sarah? What is uh, the topic you're most interested in? I think my sweet spot of data is transactional data. I've sort of always worked with that. I find it really interesting. So if you think you go to a store, I just went to Starbucks on my way here and I right. grabbed a coffee them swiping my credit card is a transaction. And there's so much data that's exchanged with so many different companies in one transaction mm-hmm. that a usual person on a day-to-day basis doesn't realize. And all these companies are leveraging that transaction in a different way. But how would Starbucks leverage that? Starbucks would, most likely if you think about Starbucks, they're leveraging that with their um, tracking. So they have a system of rewards where every purchase I make, I get different rewards. So Starbucks is collecting my transactional information to see when I'm buying, what I'm buying. So that way they can better target me to say, okay, Sarah's going to buy more coffees if we give her a little promo in the afternoon. So then they can say, okay, you get 
happy hour, which is sort of you come and buy a coffee and then someone else will get a free coffee at the same time you get yours from two to five. So they mm-hmm. can better determine when to set those times, who to invite or how to sort of promote those. Now, um, I recently saw a documentary that talked about data in terms of politics. Are you familiar mm-hmm. with any of that work? We were just talking about that actually beforehand or before this. So um, people in this documentary believe that there was, by having some data about, they call them persuadable people, Mm -hmm. that they could influence their behavior in terms of who they would vote for. Mm -hmm. Do you think that there's validity to that? That if you know that a person isn't kind of passionate for one side or another, but are kind of in the middle, that they, if you bombard them with ads, that you can kind of persuade them to choose a side. I think that with the advertising industry in general, that's sort of been proven that you can target um, certain subjects or certain people and then convince them or persuade them to purchase something. And I think we are in the middle of the current experiment, which is can you influence people's beliefs in that same way? So I think we're figuring that out. It's been proven across different industries and we're seeing sort of how that pans out in the political field right now. So there is data to support that if I see certain messaging, then my behavior will change. I definitely think there's something called confirmation bias. So if I send you maybe a news article that is, you know, somewhat related to your beliefs based on, you know, what you like and what, um, then you can definitely, you know, that reinforces what they believe and can even drive them further into like further away from a moderate viewpoint. Really? So you, so there's data to support that that can happen over time. Yeah, definitely. So now are either of you interested in politics or that's not a, a, an area that you're interested in pursuing in terms of data science? I, I think in terms of data science, politics is in a strange place right now. It's very difficult to regulate so I almost would want to, as a data scientist who wants to keep working with right. as much data as possible, then I want to sort of stay clear of that political area and just sort of keep focusing on my data. Mm-hmm. But then there is sort of that aspect of this is an industry where we have information, so many people's information. Lots of them don't know how it can be related between different right. companies, what can be sold, what can be bought. Um, so I think in terms of politics and regulation, it's definitely something that data scientists should be interested in getting involved in to help politicians understand what needs to be regulated correctly. But most of your work is around business topics. Exactly. And that's what you're learning here is more about business. But like you said, there's so much data in so many different areas. I'm sure people Mm -hmm. are using what they're learning and putting them in different places. So now um, we also have with us Lawrence Wingo. Welcome. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. So did you learn anything? Sarah and Carly are pretty smart, huh? Yes, they are very smart. So uh, in all honesty, they really are. Uh, they helped me to revamp my skills in data science. And we talked about some very interesting topics as far as uh, uh, classification models and regression. And there are so many ways we can use it. So I really enjoy enjoy the conversation we're having right now because uh, from my perspective, I think there are taboo topics that we don't talk about. And I think we can use data to fill those gaps. So now, what was your background before you got involved with this data science? Wow. Uh, where do you want me to start? I would say, well, let's just start here. So here at Georgia State, I'm a senior at the in the education department. It's actually human learning and development. So my focus is in, is in educational technology and counseling. Mm-hmm. And then so what even got data science into your radar? 
Honestly, I was doing it alone. So coming here to do the data science workshop with these two lovely ladies, uh, honestly, it helps me to reevaluate if I really learned what I was, if I was doing the right thing in my own personal learning. So it's kind of like having someone take your hand and saying, we will walk with you through this process. So, um, yeah, it really helped a lot. So some of your work uh, is uh, in and around sub-Saharan Africa? Yeah, so... (laughs) Yeah, so we're live on the radio. I haven't told my family that's where I want to go for graduate school, <laughs> but uh, that's, the, that's what I definitely want to do. And I think there are so many opportunities in sub-Saharan Africa because uh, here in the U.S., we take a lot of things for granted. For example, how fast Internet speed is here. I think it's about uh, I don't think I've, I know for a fact it's about 96. And then in South Africa or in sub, sub-Saharan Africa, it's about six. So there's a major difference as far as how they get data and how they use data. What is the 96 and six? What are the units? Good question. It's MBPS, so I guess that stands for mega something. So you have to school megabytes per second, maybe the amount yes. of data that gets kind of transferred. Uh, and we're using obviously Wi-Fi in here or Ethernet, and mm-hmm. then maybe their Wi-Fi isn't as powerful, or I don't right. know what the cause is for them to be so much slower. Imagine them just being introduced to 4G, mm-hmm. and we're using 5G and LTE. So it's just, I think, in my opinion, they're getting data a little bit slower. So I think there are a lot of, well, I'm not going to say slower, but I think there are a lot of opportunities in that space because there are gaps. Mm -hmm. So now, um, how do you see the marriage between the data and then the data science and what you were doing through learning and development? I think there is, um, there's a lot of opportunity to not only survive, but to thrive. So what I mean by that is I think a lot of people are off put by data science and they think that it's a bad thing. Uh, I think that data science can be used for good as well. Um, I think also America has a very high tolerance for ambiguity. Uh, We have a very high tolerance for um, uncertainty. So I think that that provides an area for innovation. So now do you think that's a cultural thing? I do. I do. So every culture is like its own segment. So I think that there are taboo topics that are not talked about in certain cultures. And so I think if we tap into that and have those conversations, we can actually create a lot of opportunity. So now you talk about leveraging data science and data in general, in terms of, of as a force for good. Right. Um, I think Carly mentioned earlier uh, in terms of medicine and, and um, chemistry and, and, and that kind of science that uh, there's a lot of data out there. Like for example, even like right now the, there's a, a Corona flu virus, right? That right. we're all talking about. Google knows if I'm searching for sniffles, cold remedies, things like that, that I might have the flu, right? <laughs> like it, mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. it knows that. And if it knows that I have, and it can count all the other people around me that are searching for similar things, it might know that there's a cluster of people in my community that have the flu. So to be able to make people aware of that, that would be helpful in right. general but without doing anything that kind of violates the trust of privacy. Is that an area where you think there's opportunity um, to leverage the data for the, you know, the community's well-being? I do. I think you put it perfectly. And I think that a lot of people, their, their mindset is focused on uh, worried about trying to survive. And I think by the way that you put it, I think if you opened up perspectives in that way, they will be more open to welcome, welcoming data science into their space. Mm-hmm. So now where do you see uh, in Africa that you mentioned that the the speed of capturing the data and dealing with the data is going to be slower? So there's going to be some built-in limitations with that in terms of speed of getting the data and dealing with it. 
Is there ways to kind of get around it, in your opinion? Yeah. So in that situation, I would I think that comes from more of a survival mindset. And I see it more of an opportunity to, opportunity to thrive because I feel that or I believe that there are cultures in sub-Saharan Africa. And I think by using open source, we can have conversations digi- digitally. Mm-hmm. So I think, uh, of course, reading and writing were the literacy back in the day. But now we're introducing coding literacy. So I believe that by opening the door to open source and data science, there are so many opportunities. Now you've done some work in terms of um, medical issues. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. How does this kind of work tie into that? Wow. Um, As a college student, I was trying to find my way and I, I heard from mentors that volunteering is the best way to find a good opportunity. So I volunteered at Atlanta Wellstar Medical Center and the neuro ICU unit. So uh, of course I'm a human learning and development major. So I'm focused on the brain and learning behavior. And what I noticed was that in that unit, about 80% of the, the, I don't want to say victims, but 80% of the patients that were in the hospital, uh, they were diabetic. So I believe that there's also an issue of, of food deserts. So, for example, if you go to here in Atlanta, if you go to Buckhead or you go to Alpharetta, there are so many different choices for food. Mm-hmm. But if you go to where I'm from, uh, Decatur or the west side of Atlanta, I mean, it's changing slowly, surely, of course, but... There are so many fast food chains, and I think our mindset is just stuck on trying to survive. And I think if we had an opportunity to use data science and to see the difference it makes in our lives, I think it'll be an opportunity, business opportunity for sure. And then so in your mind, the the people that have are suffering from diabetes, mm-hmm. maybe it's because of lack of food, healthier food choices. I do. I do. I think it's um, it's so detrimental because. I don't think we understand how small or how great of an impact it happens. It has on our lives. Uh, it's just, you have to be very granular and then look at it in a very granular way. And I don't want to bore people or make them feel like they're doing something wrong, but I just want to point out it does make a difference as far as your longevity. Uh, what I noticed during my research is that the CDC actually ranked Southern states as the lowest, or I guess we have the shortest life expectancy compared, uh, compared out of the other states. Mm-hmm. So the largest, the longest life expectancy is in Hawaii, which is a vacation state, right? So I think that's very interesting that um, how cultures play a part in how we learn and use technology. So now, um, did you go through the boot camp? Like what part mm-hmm. of the day, how did you plug into this data science world? I'll be honest with you. I came to both days. So they had two days, uh, two day sessions, um, two sessions each week. And so it, it covered the same topics, but I came to hear both sessions because I wanted to make sure I was getting the information right. And I wanted to make sure that I was repeating the information in my own mind to use it correctly. So uh, I feel like I got away from your question, Lee. Can you say it again? Sure. So um, first, what? how did it even get on your radar? Because you weren't in the data science mm. department. How did you even become aware that this was even being offered? That's a very good question. Uh, I think being tied into the community, I think I may have saw an email or a, a chat because I'm tied into Launch GSU, which is where they focus on entrepreneurship. And then mm-hmm. I'm also working with uh, digital learners to leaders. So working with them over the summer, teaching kids how to code that were coming into college or going into different endeavors in their lives, uh, just being plugged in in that way. And, you know, you come to college thinking there are no opportunities, but when you meet people and talk to people, you find out they're there. They're there. So. Right. Now, so at some point it got on your radar and then how did you connect the dots that, you know, cause it wasn't an area you were super familiar with. How'd you say, you know what, maybe I'll, it's, was it because it was short and you thought you can get the, at least kind of a, a broad sense of the subject in, through the boot camp? Like what kind of 
compelled you to do this? Because you probably see lots of different types of, you know, kind of learning opportunities. Right. There's so many things we can do here at Georgia State. For me, I wanted to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. So, of course, I'm not the greatest guru in math or calculus. Honestly, I, I'm i not going to talk about my grades, but, <laughs> yeah, that was a major reason why I chose my major. And I learned so much from these two ladies by understanding that math is half of the battle. And there are plugins now or there are actually frameworks that you can use in Python that can help you use those um, those mathematical, mathematical, mathematical models or mathematical math. Sorry, getting tongue tied. <laughs> So it can use the mathematical equations in code. So it takes a lot of the work away from you as the user, but you can do some pretty powerful things. So was this the first time you uh, learned about the data science and this kind of math-oriented thing before? I did. This is a a new space, and I think they were so willing and so courageous to come forward and say, hey, we'll work with you and we'll walk Mm -hmm. with you through the process of learning data science. Now, were they able to take some of the challenges that you wanted to work on and help build kind of some data science models around that? Yes, of course. So I'm working on an application, an app, an open source app. It's an open source project called Foodation. So, of course, we were talking about diabetes. So I want to take open data from restaurant menus and to share that information as far as calorie size for all of the, the users, on, users on the app. And then also this weekend at Startup uh, Weekend, it's a, an event that was held at Morehouse College. And we were working on an application that actually... Um, creates trust among communities. So I wanted to work on an application that bridges media pub- media publishers with segmented communities that may be not too big of a fan of certain publishers. So we were working on a project that can do a sentiment analysis of their articles. And if the article has some ambiguity to it, then we can submit a ticket and say, hey, if you're willing to do a rewrite, then we'll be willing to share our social capital with you mm-hmm. to bridge that relationship just to build trust in the community. Because at the heart of all of this data science and your work, Lawrence, is trust. Yes. yes right? Because yes. we have to trust as individuals that our data isn't going to be misused. Right. And we have to trust that the people who have the data are doing it at least somewhat of my best interest. There has right, to be some right. win for me as an individual. And then in your work in terms of trying to help other people, the people that you're trying to help have to trust right. that you have their best interests at heart. Right. Trust really is at the heart of a lot of this. It is. And, you know, we're not in a perfect world. So I think it's more about being courageous as well. And I think by you opening up this space to even have us come in here to talk with you, I think that's courageous on your part as well. So starting the conversation and I think by the the following that you have, I think it really starts uh, innovation. So, yeah. So this is uh, so what's next for you? Are you going to keep pursuing data science or you got what you need from them? And now you're going to go back to the learning and development. Good question. We were just having a conversation before we came in here and they um, they opened my eyes to different opportunities that are in data science. Like, for example, they talked about Star, Dell, Georgia Pacific. So I also asked the question of do you think you were going out and looking for a job or did you go and create your job? Mm -hmm. And. Sarah pointed out that she had to go out and network with people and, and actually talk with them. So I believe that she created her opportunity, not just going out looking for it. So, yeah. And that's a good lesson for people of all ages that there are, like you said earlier, there's opportunity out there yes. that you might have to be proactive and kind of connect some dots yourself in order to leverage all the resources. I agree. I think it's about also looking inside, looking internally and finding out what are the things that or the things that you feel or you you feel that you're dealing with and how can you create a solution for yourself? And then you start to slowly, slowly see how that can be a solution for others. 
Good stuff. So now where are you at in schooling? Are you ready to graduate or, or what do you, where are you at now? I am. I'm ready to graduate, but the interesting part is that I'm willing to take on the job of being a freshman again. I'm thinking about doing graduate school. So mm-hmm. I didn't see that years ago, but now I'm like, okay, I like learning. I like being at the forefront of doing something different. Good stuff. Well, congratulations on all your success. Thank you, Lee. Thank you. And uh, Sarah and Carly, what about you? You're nearing the end. Are you looking for jobs? What do you need more of right now? Yeah, I'm definitely looking for jobs, uh, maybe internship or full-time position this summer. And I'm looking to be like a full-on data scientist using all of the methods that we've learned in our classes from the statistics, linear regression, a little bit of linear algebra, um, text analytics. I just want to get really into the hardcore data scientist. And Sarah? Yeah, pretty similar to Carly. I'd say I'm looking to jump into a full-time role. Um, I do have about five years of analytics background in my end, so I'm really looking to more sort of help the next generation of data scientists and leverage my past experience to mm-hmm. probably move into more of a managerial role pretty quickly. I really like teaching. I'm teaching this boot camp, mm-hmm. for example. So um, I'm really looking to sort of help others through my next position as well. So now um, is there going to be another boot camp or is, was that it? We're all done for this year. We're actually wrapping up this week with our fifth and final session. Um, so if you want to sign up for the fifth boot camp, it's on Friday. Um, I'll be but, there. Yeah. but we have heard a lot of really positive feedback from the students about this boot camp this year. So hopefully it'll encourage the institutes to pick it up again next year. Now, is there, uh, if somebody wanted to learn more about the data science uh, program, is, what's the best way for them to do that? I think the best way is to first check out the website um, for Georgia State's Master's in Data Science and Analytics. Um, mm-hmm. That'll have the best contact information. We have great resources. Our director, our student life um, organizers as well are all really open to conversation. So if you have anyone has any questions, talking to them is just a treat. <laughs> now, if there's a business out there that wants to kind of be a um, guinea pig for your students... Is there is there a way for business people to kind of plug into your world to see if there's ways that they can be used as a real life example? I know uh, one of our associate deans, Dr. Sanjay Servistava, he organizes all the sprint projects for us. Mm-hmm. And then so that's stuff that the students like to do because this is real life, real world stuff. And so that benefits the business and the student. Right. Yeah, definitely. Uh, whenever you see a job application and it says three to five years experience, at least we've been in the program for a year. We've had <laughs> at, at least, least one a year, experience. Right. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, thank you all for sharing your story. Uh, you're doing important work and this is the future. Uh, data is all around us and you know, you can learn more about it or just kind of let it pass you by, but it's happening whether you want to or not. Right. 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 There's no escape from the collection of data around you. It's hard to kind of get off the grid. Don't be afraid of it. That's right. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of opportunity. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Well, thank you all for being part of the show today. Thank you. All right. This is Lee Cantor for Stone Payton. We will see you all next time on GSU ENI Radio.